Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi everyone, Sean here, one of the creators of Civilize, and I play Bob and Robert and a bunch of other characters on the show. And first of all, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you that's listening right now. You've helped grow Civilized way faster than we could have ever imagined. So thank you for everything you've done to share it on social or tell your friends. And today, I'm here to tell you about another show, a show that I have fallen in love with. And it is from our friends at Realm, and it is called Elixir. It is I've never heard anything like it. Uh, imagine the 1920s, and it's it's booming. It is prohibition and speakeasies and sharp-dressed dames and guys and whatever they're called back then, except instead of a prohibition on booze, it's a prohibition on magic, on potions. And so all of these speakeasies are, are basically serving elixirs, potions. And the show is this beautiful mystery uh, of these two star-crossed lovers, these two women on opposite sides of the tracks, each banned from magic, and their, 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 their journey to find each other and solve the mystery. The best way I could explain it is it's if you took Mulan Rouge, but had it be about lesbians with magic, you would have elixir. So I'm going to stop rambling. Uh, we're actually going to play episode one right now of Elixir. And if you love it as much as I think you will, you can listen to Elixir anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search for E-L-I-X-I-R. And our thanks once again to Realm for their support. And now, here's episode one of Elixir. From the corner of the crowded room... Lou watched a woman in a white beaded dress fly. A normal sight in this den of inequity, where people came to imbibe the elixirs that made such magic tricks possible. Locke City Council had banned elixirs, claiming they were too dangerous. They underestimated how much people love danger. Another flying woman drifted toward the ceiling. She joined hands with the woman in white. The two spun like human chandeliers. Their mouths open wide, teeth bared. Laughing? Screaming? Lou supposed it didn't make much difference either way. Her frayed nerves itched for another drink. How many had she had? She couldn't remember. She squinted through cigarette smoke at the feathers and fringe, gold-plated costume jewelry and legs for days. Then she saw him. In a private booth raised above the masses of the hush bar, just the way he liked it. He must have sensed her looking because he met her gaze. Even from a distance, his expression was clear. You're mine. She lowered her eyes. The nightclub swam. One more elixir couldn't hurt. Bliss, perhaps, or a shot of adrenaline for dancing. She joined the line for the bar, swaying a little. A young man caught her elbow. He leaned in way too close, but oh, he smelled good. Sweet like honey. 
Her heart raced. If he saw her speaking to another man. Miss Thornley, the stranger asked. He was handsome. Dark hair, brown skin, amber eyes. Vaguely familiar. And alarming. He shouldn't know her real name, but she nodded anyway too far gone to care. I have a proposition for you. Dangers be damned. Lou listened. Would you hold the lantern steady? Vera shot an irritated look at her older cousin. Rolf was her right-hand man, in both her legitimate and off-the-book ventures, but he didn't make the best thief. The two stood on a narrow catwalk, suspended midway up the towering machinery chamber inside the Dwymer River Dam. The dam was an eyesore blighting the otherwise picturesque city of Locke, if you asked Vera. Of course, no one did. Be a lot easier if you'd hurry up. With a huff, Rolf straightened his gas lamp to illuminate a glittering wall of quartz pipes and faucets. Vera went to work. Together with a bevy of her cousins, Vera Reeves ran the oldest and most famous hush bar in Locke. She'd inherited the business, plus all its inherent risks, when the city council banned the sale of elixirs and imprisoned her father. In her opinion, the city council members were the real criminals. But technically, she was in the process of robbing them, so maybe she couldn't talk. Almost got it. Vera fitted an empty flower vase under a faucet. It was the best she could do on short notice. She opened the tap just enough to let out a trickle of water. Any more, and she risked tripping the alarms. Beside her, Rolf shifted uneasily. You realize that guard didn't go to the pleasure house for a sleepover, right? If he comes back... Give me two minutes. Probably what he said. Vera rolled her eyes. Every drop she could squeeze from this tap counted. Dwymer water was the active ingredient in the elixir she distilled. The city council had dammed the Dwymer River for the same reason they banned elixirs. Because they believed the water was cursed. With magic. At least, that was what the gentry called it. Vera loathed the term. Elixirs were no more magic than Vera's ability to subvert the law. They required knowledge, scientific study, and careful preparation. That was all. Yes, if you drank an elixir, you might temporarily see visions of the future, alter your appearance at will, even fly. But such outcomes only seemed magical to the superstitious. Vera rubbed her nose on one olive-toned shoulder, irritated. Normally, when she robbed the dam, she was better prepared. She'd have the Iron Shoe Guard's schedules, a team of cousins to assist, and big vats to fill with Dwymer water. She hated rushing in here last minute. But lately, the council had been wising up, rotating the guard schedules, adding new security measures, tightening the proverbial locks on their literal dam. The light behind her drooped again. Vera glared at her cousin. Two pairs of matching brown eyes with the same narrow noses, jagged chins, and skin that browned in summer, yet paled a few shades come winter. Only their mouths differed. Vera got hers from her mother, incongruously soft against the rest of her features. Honestly, what use are all those pull-ups you do on the bar mantle every morning if you can't hold one measly lantern? 
the vase grew heavier. She touched it with a fingertip and felt the water inside surge in response. Rolf tapped her leg. I hear something. She held her breath for a moment. I don't hear anything, you old coot. But then, a wooden creak sounded, faint and high above, followed by a metallic thud and another. Footsteps. Kill the light, she whispered. Darkness enveloped them. She turned off the tap, hefted the vase, half full. It would only distill a dozen elixirs at most, enough to serve one round of patrons. She'd have to make do. From higher up in the machinery chamber, someone began to whistle. It was a cheery tune, completely at odds with the pounding of Vera's heart. She tapped Rolf's wrist, and he seized her hand. Bent double, they tiptoed back the way they'd come in, across the rickety wooden catwalk. They were a dozen stories above the ground floor of the machinery chamber. Down there, great iron plates neutralized the Dwimer water, then spat it into the lake on which Locke was situated. Vera was glad the darkness hid the drop. Heights had always made her queasy. Just thinking about it made her walk faster, and the catwalk groaned. She froze, mentally cursing herself. The cheery whistling stopped. Hurriedly, Vera reached under the collar of her blouse. Her fingertips grazed the necklace there, a slim rose quartz vial with a matching stopper. On its back were letters in an alphabet that few and Locke could read anymore. She heard the telltale hiss of a match striking. Vera took a sip from the vial and passed it to Rolf. The tiny mouthful wouldn't last more than a few minutes, but minutes were all they needed. A pleasant warmth suffused her body as the elixir slid down her throat. It expanded all the way to her fingertips and toes, making them throb in tune to the beat of her heart. Lantern light flared above. In its halo, she spotted an iron shoe leaning over a higher catwalk, near the top of the machinery chamber. He stared right at Vera. Her breath caught. But a moment later, his gaze slid away. He scanned the neighboring walkways above and below. He hadn't seen them because the elixir had turned her and Rolf invisible. Temporarily, and it was more like camouflage than strict invisibility. When Rolf crept toward the exit once more, Vera could see a ripple, the elixir mimicking his surroundings like a chameleon. She followed, not daring to speak or breathe. Not until they shoved through the exit into the fresh night air. Only there did she gasp with relief. Just in time. A moment after they hit moonlight, Rolf's body shimmered, reappearing. A heartbeat later, so did Vera's. Hands first, holding the half-filled vase. Then her toes, winding up her knee-high calfskin boots to her black slacks. And finally, the rest of her. That was too close, Rolf glared. I guess for once they've hired an iron shoe who gives a damn. She smiled at her pun. Rolf narrowed his eyes, unmoved. She sighed and led the way back to the carriage which they'd hidden a few hundred yards off, beside an outcropping of rock. Rounding it, 
Luck came into view, spread at their feet. Even though Vera had lived here her entire life, the sight still stole her breath away. Built atop a glacial lake in the valley between five mountain peaks, Lock by night reminded Vera of a coupe glass. Its thousands of streetlights, gas lamps in the poorer districts, and newfangled electric in the wealthier ones, sparkled like elixir bubbles, reflected double off the dark lake. Once upon a time, Locke would have bustled at this hour. It had been a destination for travelers from around the world who came to experience the magic of elixirs firsthand. And no elixirs had a better reputation than those distilled by her family, the famous Reeves Apothecars. Vera's profession, and this city, had been respected, revered even. But then Duke and Duchess Thornley, prominent gentry members with a seat on the city council, had convinced everyone that elixirs were immoral and dangerous. Now Locke paid the price. Less tourism, more crime, no elixir revenue. Not to mention, Vera couldn't carry on her family's legacy without becoming a criminal. Rolf trudged up to her. Is that really enough to justify opening tonight? He pointed at the half-filled vase. If turnout's anything like last week, we'll have plenty for all four of our patrons. We can't keep taking these risks. Did you hear Mac took a buyout a couple weeks ago? He got enough capital to buy a shop on the ridge. We could... He stopped short at her murderous expression. No, we are Reeves. Our ancestors were apothecars before Locke was even built. This is our legacy. Vera stormed toward the carriage. Besides, my father would never sell, especially not to the type of buyer's offering right now. Not to be an asshole, but your father is in prison, cuz. Rolf winced as he said it, which was the only reason Vera didn't kick him in the shin. Look, I know Harlow is bad news, but his money spends just as well as anybody else's. We take it and we start over fresh. For a moment, they glared at each other. When she spoke again, it came out rough. I would rather let the Thornleys chain me up beside my father than sell my bar to that untrained elixir-tampering grifter. Are we clear? A muscle at her cousin's temple pulsed. Concern, or maybe frustration. But after a breath, Rolf shut his eyes. Crystal... She grinned, hoping to lighten the mood. Besides, risk is the name of the game. Unless you want to abandon your post and let me run the whole show myself. You wouldn't last a single day, cuz. Rolf tussled her dark chin-length bob. She groaned. He knew how much effort it took to make her hair lie flat. Just for that, you're driving. Before he could argue, Vera hopped into the carriage and out of the icy wind. Realm Presents Elixir Episode 1 Elsie rooted through her oversized evening bag. Change of clothes, coin purse. There. Gently, she extricated a long-stemmed pink rosebud. Tied to it was a calling card that read, The Jaded Rose, 
floriculture and botanical specialists. This was the place, all right. Someone jostled her elbow. Elsie clutched the purse tighter. She'd never been to this part of town, much less alone, and at night. Papa was always talking about the horrors docksiders would inflict on a nice gentry gal given half a chance. Tonight, she had no choice. Elsie checked both ways before she crossed the street. Most shops were closed, iron grills drawn. But a gas lamp above the jaded rose flickered cheerily, and the store's broad windows were lit from within. A group of people bustled past, laughing. Some wore business attire, others tight beaded dresses like the one Elsie had pilfered from her older sister's closet. She steeled herself. She needed to do this. For Lou. Elsie ducked into the shop. Buckets of roses in every color dangled from the ceiling. Gardenias and lilies spilled over the central tables. At the rear, more blooms waited inside glass boxes, chilled by ice trays. A display of delicate glass vases in every color imaginable took up the left-hand wall. Elsie reached out to brush one with a fingertip. No, not glass. The vase was quartz. All the kings in all the courts hold less power than a sip from quartz. The old nursery rhyme about Dwimer magic came to her mind. Can I help you, miss? A voice called from the back of the shop. Elsie bumped into the vase. It teetered before she caught it in both arms. Careful! Two salesmen, salesboys, really, darted forward. One snatched the expensive vase from her, and the other set it high out of reach. Elsie blushed. I'm so sorry. I startle easy. My sister's always teasing me for it. The boys must have been brothers. They looked almost exactly alike. Tan, with wide-set features and black mop-like hair. Maybe that was the style these days. Elsie suddenly felt old for her 25 years. One boy beamed. The other glared like she'd just kicked his cat. Can we help you? The scowly one repeated. Yes, I... Elsie's gaze darted around. She didn't know much about elixirs, but she grasped the basic concept of a hush bar. There would be a front business for show, then a secret passageway into the real party. I was actually hoping to stay a while, enjoy some... refreshments? She turned on the sunny smile that never failed to fill her dance card at the gentry balls. Scowly's scowl deepened. Don't know what you mean. His brother elbowed him. Forgive his manners, miss. We have a wide selection of products. Perhaps one kind in particular catches your fancy? He glanced at the vases. Clearly, he expected some kind of signal. Damn. She probably needed a code word. She tried to think what her mother would advise. Mama had been a down-and-out merchant's daughter before she'd married Papa in the coup of that year's social season. One of her sayings came to mind now. Act like you belong, and soon enough, you will. Elsie affected a bright laugh. <laughs> you play your parts admirably, boys. Now, let's see. She unclasped her purse. How much would it take to bribe her way inside? Scowly tugged his brother over to a spot he probably thought would be out of earshot, but Elsie had been eavesdropping since before these two were born. What are you doing? Come on, Benji, it's dead in there. Vera can't afford to be turning gentry away. Elsie made as much noise as possible rifling through her bag to keep the boys talking. From the corner of her eye, 
She saw Benji shake his head. No pass, no entry, Art. That's the rule. Pass. Her fingers grazed the rosebud. She'd found it in her sister's ransacked bedroom this morning. The jaded rose calling card attached to it was Elsie's only clue to where her sister might have gone, to what had scared Lou so badly. Elsie withdrew the flower, studying the sympathetic brother. Art? Relief flooded his face. See, I knew it. She's no snoop. Art nudged his brother, then nodded at the vases. Pick anyone you want, miss. Elsie picked the prettiest. Purple and green shot through with flecks of gold mica. She slid the rosebud stem down its neck. Here goes nothing. The instant the stem touched the thin layer of water at the bottom, the bud's petals unfurled into a pink rose. At the same time, the wall sprang forward. Elsie barely jumped out of its path in time. Behind the door, candles flared to life, as if by magic. A golden spiral staircase appeared to lead down into a black void. But piano music and a hum of voices drifted from beyond said void. Elsie shivered. This was it. A hush bar. Home of Locke's biggest threat, according to her parents, anyway. Enjoy your evening, miss, Art called. Benji continued to glower. Oh, I intend to. She blew a kiss. Art's eyes bulged. Benji scoffed. Smiling, she skipped down the stairs into darkness. Elsie expected a seedy basement. Instead, on the other side of that darkness, which she couldn't figure out, was it a simple trick of the light or something more? She found herself standing near the top of a room that would rival Locke's opera hall. Cathedral ceilings arched over black marble walls with sharp gold accents. Red velvet drapes and plush booths softened the austerity. A stage took up one wall, and on it, a woman waded through a slow song on a grand piano. Fireplaces roared in the corners, candles flickered on every table. But it was the bar that drew Elsie's gaze. Shelves all the way to the ceiling, lined with multicolored bottles. Elixirs. Elsie's breath caught. She watched a woman swing off a ladder, black bobs swirling against her razor cheekbones. She poured something into a glass, slid it to an old man. He drank. Even from here, Elsie could see his white hair change to jet black. Wrinkles faded from his dark brown cheeks, and he returned to his table with a new spring in his step. She's an apotheker, Elsie realized. What am I getting myself into? This was Locke's underworld. For all Elsie knew, this could be the very same hush bar where her sister Lou had become hopelessly addicted to elixirs. Now Lou had vanished, leaving Elsie frantic with worry. Her sister could be in danger, or sick, or... No, Lou would be all right. Elsie just needed to find her. She forced herself to descend the spiral staircase into the bar, one step at a time. Inside, memory reared its ugly head. Last night, Lou ossified out of her mind on elixirs. Elsie had been begging her for weeks to stop taking so many. Lou never listened. Elsie had nursed her sister through come-downs, shakes, multi-day hangovers. She thought she'd seen it all. Last night was different. Last night, Lou had been scared. You don't understand! Lou had gripped Elsie's hand so hard it hurt. You don't see what's really going on here! 
Then explain it to me, Lou. Please. But Lou had only stared out her bedroom window, fixated on something else he couldn't see. It's... I can't. I... I need a clearer head. Tomorrow, we'll talk. Elsie should have kept pushing. She shouldn't have left her sister alone. But like a sucker, Elsie had believed her. Then today had dawned, and her sister was gone. Lou's room looked like a blizzard hit, everything of value missing. Their parents believed Lou was just on another tear, run off with a mystery bow. They told Elsie not to worry, that her sister would return soon. They pointed to the perfunctory note Lou had left as proof. But their parents didn't know Lou like Elsie did. That note had been all wrong, her manner of departure too abrupt. Lou didn't keep secrets from Elsie. Something is very, very wrong. And Elsie's only clue was this bar. Vera spotted the newcomer straight away. For one thing, there wasn't much competition. Of the other eight people in the bar, Vera was related to five. The remainder were regulars. Nicholas, who rented a one-room flat above the flower shop, Pauline, who played piano in exchange for talent elixirs, and Hans, an octogenarian who used to help her father out with odd jobs. Vera now served him shots of youth for free because she was too damn soft. So really, there was only one paying customer until now. Rolf nudged her. That one's got enough dough for a whole bakery. Vera snorted, but she could see what he meant. The woman's outfit likely cost more than the rest of her patron's wages put together. Don't get too excited. Just means she's trouble. Whatever the lady had hoped to find, she clearly didn't see it because her shoulders slumped. Probably wanted a livelier crowd. She can go to one of Harlow Jones's dives if that's what she's after. The woman shook off her disappointment and approached the bar. She perched on that one crooked stool Vera kept meaning to fix and kicked her frightfully expensive silver flats against it. Hi, she said. Then she stuck out a hand as if this were a business meeting. Vera stared. I'm Elsie. Elsie smiled so wide it must hurt. At least she took the hint, letting her hand drop unshaken. Gorgeous place you've got, or, oh, I'm sorry, I just assumed you're the owner. Elsie was what Rolf would call a stunner. Big agate blue eyes, blonde ringlets, ivory skin so flawless, it could have only been achieved with a 16-step beauty regimen. A few years younger than Vera, or maybe just better maintained. She also had an infectious smile the kind that begged you to mirror it. Vera revised her earlier assessment. Not trouble, danger, with a capital D. You assumed correctly. Vera's suspicion was rising fast. Anyone in possession of a pass to the Jaded Rose should have known its owner by reputation, if not by sight. Which one of her cousins let this woman in? Art, most likely. She made a mental note to chastise him later. I didn't catch your name. Elsie batted her lashes. I didn't offer it, Vera thought. 
but what the hell? Vera. She tugged a cloth from her pocket and started wiping down the bar. Gave her an excuse to stop staring. What's your poison? Elsie looked as scandalized as if Vera had just invited her to bed. What? No, I, uh, I don't, I mean, I've never. Vera resisted the urge to laugh. She'd seen her share of first-timers, but nobody this green. No sweat. Dealer's choice it is. Vera had a knack for guessing what her patrons needed on any given night. Apothecary was a master class in human body language, and to Vera's eye, this woman's screamed nervous. While she scanned the shelves, Elsie trilled her nails on the bar. Really great place you've got here. Did I say that already? I love the, um, ambiance. Glad you approve, princess. Finally, Vera spotted what she was looking for, a bright orange citrine bottle. She plucked it from the shelf and paired it with a matching coupe. Are you always this surly to new customers? Elsie smirked. That might explain your utter lack thereof. Vera nearly spilled the dram. <laughs> she laughed, a real one, surprising herself. I'll keep that in mind. She slid the coupe toward the young woman. Here. A flicker crossed Elsie's features. Fear? Trying to ease Elsie's apparent tension, she pointed to the glass. Anytime you're sampling a new elixir, test the nose first. Gives you a hint of what effect to anticipate. This elixir amplifies courage. Elsie fixed those big blue eyes on Vera while she bent over the cup and inhaled. Her expression softened. It, it smells like my father's sailboat. The first time he let me take it out on the lake by myself in summer. But how is that even? Vera leaned both elbows on the bar. If you're about to ask me how that's possible, then I've got to alter my assessment of you. Not a princess. Tourist? <laughs> Elsie laughed. Uh-oh. Even more contagious than the smile. <gasps> no, I grew up in Loch, but I'm from a different part of town. Knock me down with a feather, I had no idea. Elsie groaned. <laughs> what gives me away? You mean besides your shoes, your dress, your purse, your hairdo? Okay, fine! Elsie waved her napkin in surrender. Tell me, what's a fine gentry lady like yourself doing slumming at Dockside? Vera kept right on smiling, like this was just a friendly chat. Internally, her mind raced. Elsie wouldn't be an iron shoe. Gentry had no need to take side jobs. And anyway, Vera's Aunt Maud worked in the department. She would have warned Vera if someone was about to poke their nose where it didn't belong. Elsie could still be a plant, though. The council had been vowing to clean out our city's gutters ever since they'd banned elixirs. For years, the threat had been all bark and no bite. But between the added security at the dam and the hush bar raids Vera had been hearing about lately, even on hush bars that paid their friendly local iron shoes protection fees, well, 
suspicion was warranted. Especially since Elsie didn't act like most socialites seeking a wild night on the town. Gentry were a rare sight in the jaded rose, but the few Vera had hosted would have already been downing shots of sheer bliss by the dozen. So what did this woman want? Elsie's feet wrapped against her stool. I'm meeting someone. Or I hoped to, but... She surveyed the room. There it was again. That brief flit of fear. She'll turn up. Probably running behind schedule, Elsie said. More to herself than Vera. Vera reached for another bottle. Her usual go-to. A light distillation to heighten her perception. It made lights brighter, scents sharper, sounds clearer. Helped Vera read her customers more accurately, too. She poured herself a dram to match Elsie's and lifted her glass. If you've got time to kill, let's toast. Elsie stared at her glass. The drink did smell incredible. And Vera... Elsie wasn't sure what to make of Vera. On the surface, she seemed open, friendly. Yet there was something calculating in the woman's gaze. It sent a not unpleasant thrill down Elsie's spine. But Elsie couldn't stop thinking about her sister. Lou sneaking relaxation elixirs before family dinners, unable to calm down without it. Lou shaking and sweating in the bath the after-effects of too many disparate elixirs hitting at once. Lou, who'd always cared for Elsie growing up, but who was too proud to ask for her little sister's help now. With a pang of regret, Elsie nudged the coop back toward Vera. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's lovely. I just... can't. She watched Vera drain her own elixir without a blink. Tell me you're not one of these anti-elixir fanatics. Vera set aside her empty glass. Elsie flushed. Her parents certainly were. In fact, they'd pushed the council to ban them in the first place. Which was why she couldn't admit to being a Thornley right now. Apothecars hated her parents. Vera would throw her out in a heartbeat. And then how would Elsie find Lou? I don't have any interest in politics, she replied, truthfully. She took a deep breath. It's just, I've seen what happens if you take too much. My sister, she, I'm pretty sure she's in trouble, and I thought she would be here tonight. It was a long shot, but I didn't know where else to go. Vera's intense scrutiny softened. She was looking at Elsie, really looking, in a way that somehow felt both pleasant and unnerving at once. Unfortunately, this is it for our usual crowd. I'd remember if I'd seen anyone who looks like... you. Vera's gaze only dipped over Elsie's figure for a split second, but it was enough to send warmth radiating up Elsie's neck. After a pause, Vera cleared away Elsie's untouched drink. Elixirs can be dangerous, but I ensure everyone drinking mine stays safe. It's my responsibility as an apothecar. The source knows some of us have forgotten that. Elsie picked at a bead on Lou's dress, struggling to conceal her disappointment. I see. 
Whoever supplied her sister's elixirs had no such reservations, which meant Lou didn't come to this hush bar. The idea of slinking back home without her sister made Elsie want to scream. As was common for unwed gentry women in their mid-twenties, Elsie still lived with her parents. So did Lou, who was only three years older. She couldn't do it. She couldn't sit through interminable dinners with her parents while they pretended nothing was wrong, that Lou was just having a tantrum and she'd return soon. How many hush bars are there in Locke? Elsie asked. Lou had gotten elixirs somewhere. If it wasn't Vera's bar, perhaps she frequented one nearby. Vera grimaced. Couple dozen in Dockside alone. Not to mention the cads who sell homebrew on the street. I hope your sister's not drinking that swill. Although half won't even do anything. They're just sugar water. It could take weeks to search. Longer, if Elsie had to deal with her parents' constant interventions. An idea struck. She brightened. Maybe I could stay here, as a sort of home base while I look. Whatever sympathy Elsie had won from Vera evaporated. Oh, no. We don't. I can pay. Elsie snatched up her bag. She emptied her entire coin purse on the counter and watched with gratification as Vera's eyes widened. Plus, I can help out around the bar. Whatever you need. Maybe some new entertainment. She smirked conspiratorially and thumbed toward the pianist. Elsie had heard better performances by girls who flunked music in finishing school. This was what she needed. A foot in the door to the elixir scene. If Lou stopped by the Jaded Rose, Elsie could intercept her. If not, Vera's patrons and employees must know of other hush bars and their clients. I'll wait tables. Clean in the back. Anything. Vera was still staring at the heap of coins when a back door banged open. All thoughts of Lou fled Elsie's mind. Less than ten feet from Vera, staring at them both, was a uniformed iron shoe. Elsie's jaw dropped. We're being raided. You're listening to Elixir by Ellen Goodlett, starring Ava Mag, Keeler Lee, and Marin Miller. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Elixir is written by Ellen Goodlett. It is produced by Nicole Otto and executive produced by Molly Barton. Voice direction, audio production, and original theme music by Amanda Rose Smith. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Are you emotionally exhausted? Do you have strong feelings about authoritarian power structures? Have you ever stared up at the night sky and felt tiny and alone? If so, ask your doctor about Wolf 359, the award-winning sci-fi audio fiction podcast by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Side effects may include strange genetic experiments, unreliable AI systems, the potential discovery of alien life, and toothpaste. Find Wolf 359 wherever you listen to podcasts and visit wolf359.fm to learn more.